Hello, I'm Mark Weaver, president of Mark Weaver & Associates Interior Design. I'd like to invite you to our Instagram Live series called Designers at Home. It's every other Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. It's a casual, informative, and exclusive discussion with renowned architects, interior designers, and artists from around the world. This half-hour podcast program is a recording of the live talk addressing all things design and architecture related, along with personal anecdotes and inspiration. Guests have included Emmy-nominated set decorator Peter Gursky, one of America's leading sculptors, Sabin Howard, renowned architect and artist Leo Marmel, and art advisor extraordinaire Barbara Guggenheim. We look forward to you joining us. Thank you. Okay, should we get started, Joan? We have all these friends with us today. It's so great. I know, it's wonderful. Thank you all for joining us um, on Designers at Home. We're here this morning with um, Joan Quinn. Joan, you look absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Um, so we have, uh, we have a nice crowd this morning. And, um, you know, Joan, it goes back so far. I'm trying to think, but I think you and I originally met in the early 1970s. I think we go way back. I think was it with Jody Jacobs? Yes. Um, Jody was the society editor for the LA Times then, and I met you through Jody. And um, anyway, so it's great, I don't know, some 50 years later to be here with you. And I'm Where thrilled. I talk, Mark. We're icons. Pardon? <laughs> We're icons. <laughs> yes, I know. And, you know, I got a, a, I got a really lovely note yesterday from Clifford Miller who said, oh, I'm so excited you're going to be talking to Joan. She's just one of my favorite people. And um, he went on and on. So it was really lovely to hear. I was happy to hear from Clifford, too. He always did the flowers for my TV show. Oh, he's so incredibly talented, isn't he? And then we talked about old Los Angeles society. He said, um, I was connected to Betsy Bloomingdale and Edie Wasserman and Harriet Deutsch and, and that whole group he used to do. David Jones used to do the flowers. And then Clifford said, I started doing the flowers. Yeah, he's just, he's lovely guy, major talent. So you're a Los Angeles native. You know, um, when I was a kid growing up, I think your, your father was in the race car business. My father was promoting races, yes. He, he owned a, a car at Indianapolis Speedway, which they won in, I think it was 1952, with Troy Rutman. And then he had another car the next year with Parnelli Jones, and uh-huh. uh, they won. So, and then he was promoting races at Gardena, and that's where Billy L. Bankston used to race his motorcycles. And was that your introduction into the world of art? Well, Billy was my introduction, kind of, because I had gone to school with a ceramist named Dora Glarios. She was in junior high school with me at Audubon, if you can believe that. And I went on to Westlake School, and she went on to Dorsey. And we met up again um, when we were graduating from high school. I was working at Desmond's on Stalker and Crenshaw. And Dora was working in the design department downstairs they would do the window displays and Billy Al was working there too so they had a very 
very contentious relationship. They were not friendly at all, but they used to have to, to me, to get costume <laughs> jewelry because I ran the little costume show at Desmond's. And um, so that was my acquaintance with Billy. And then when Billy found out my father was a, a, a race promoter, we became friendly again at USC. I was in um, journalism. I took ceramics. I took art classes. And Billy was there, and so was Ken Price. So it started our careers together. Oh, that's great. Um, so you and your husband, um, um, Jack, were, have been very supportive of the arts, you know, over the years. And along, and you have twin daughters. And are they as involved in art as, as you've been? They love it. They love it. And they were raised with all the artists. I think if you talk to them, those artists were just regulars at our house all the time. They grew up with them. When, when the girls were just born, Billy Al was over here with John Altoon and Kenny Price was over. And um, I remember when the girls were born, Billy Al gave them a set of twin dentos, maybe about 10 inches each, 10 inches square. And they were pink. So one was for Amanda and one was for Jennifer. We still have those hanging on the wall here. <laughs> That's great. So I see behind you a couple of paintings here. You mentioned the uh, one to your left is, uh, is David's, it's a Hockney. There's a little print that David gave me years ago. Yes. Uh -huh. He was doing working on his computer. It's a color colored uh, print that he made and hand drew around and, and gave to me. And the one behind me, the red and yellow one, is uh, Ed Ruscha, which was made in the late 60s in Paris. It was a pear. That's the steak in the center of that yellow dish. And then the other one, which I don't know if you can see it or not. Let's see. It's the other way. Let me see if I push this around. It's the other way. It's a potato. And he did this, these two collages called Steak and Potato. And they were recently loaned to the uh, Oklahoma Museum where they did a show of Ed's work. Oh, great. So um, you just had a show recently that it just closed a week or so ago, didn't it, at the Bakersfield uh, Museum? It was. It was fantastic, Mark. Um, the Bakersfield Museum of Art took over the whole museum. And Rachel McCullough Wainwright was the curator who yes. talked to me many, many times about having a show there. And I kept saying no. And she finally convinced me. And she took up, she, she was phenomenal in the way she explained our collection because our collection was not bought with light and space and these different ideas uh, to collecting because we were just buying art from our friends and supporting them. So when Rachel took it in um, to the museum, we said yes, but we wanted this um, extension of education. We wanted to uh -huh. make sure that she brought the schools in and the college and, and she did. And they had a lot of outreach in Bakersfield. They had a fantastic, um, support from the wonderful company, from the Resnicks who live just up the hill from us here. Um, so they're in the Central Valley 
And, you know, you were talking about auto racing. My father used to promote a um, Thanksgiving yeah, Day race right outside of Bakersfield. So we were kind of connected to that community. Visalia, Hanford, uh -huh. um, that whole area. My dad used to also promote at Sacramento. So he would come down into that Central Valley and do uh, PR for his races. You know, a lot of people think uh, Bakersfield is just a place to pass through. And it does have a wonderful museum. There are other, um, you know, I just recently discovered that there's, um, you know, a great Frank Lloyd Wright house there, the Albin House, right? Exactly. And the curator of that is David Coffey. We had these wonderful little trips that I would plan. They would leave Los Angeles because it was only like an hour and 45 minutes to Bakersfield. And they would go to the museum. Then they would have an iconic lunch at either Luigi's, which was there for 100 years, or at the Basque restaurants, because that was great Basque territory. So there was the Pyrenees and uh, a couple of different Basque restaurants. Then they would meet David Coffey, who, by the way, lives in a Neutra house. And right. uh, so you're, I mean, that's another surprise in Bakersfield. Right. There are two right. Neutra buildings there. So they would pass by the old Woolworths, which was still open with its counter, um, if people remember Woolworths, and then go to the Albin house. And David would, David Coffey would take them through. So how many pieces were in the show? Oh, boy. Mm, that's a good question. I think over 100. She, she grouped them so beautifully. And then in the front room, there was a, a personal room. And that was the thing. It, it was more of a personal kind of collection. She had, we had a personal room, had a stick necklace by Chuck Arnaldi. <laughs> and there was a... a camera bag that Billy Al had painted with Louis Vuitton um, insignias on it and different things that artists had given us over the years. So I, I didn't want it to be like this, like people collect today just to have a huge painting in their house, even if they don't know anything about it, it's just trendy. And we weren't trendy. We were, you know, of the time, I would say. And so that's what I was so happy that that collection and that museum actually showed. It showed that the pieces were small and intimate. Oh, great. Um, you know, I, I think I read that there's been over 300 artists and friends that have painted your portrait. Is that correct? Yes, you're right. That's amazing, we have a big collection of <laughs> portraits. <laughs> So those um, portraits were shown at, at Delray at the uh, Carnegie Museum, and they were shown in Santa Ana at the college and Grand Library in Glendale. Um, actually, Rachel Wainwright had a hallway of portraits in connection with this, and she also had a video with um, that Aaron Kajeli, who's the director of our our um, archives put together this collection of artists that I who I had interviewed. So there right. was a video of all these artists. So can we talk a little bit about these all these 
well, we're not going to go through 300 portraits. No, we're not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, the, the museum, uh, Rachel and her husband, Henry Wen Rain White, Rain White, it's a hard one to say, Ray, Ray, Wayne Wright, um, who's, who's an, um, an engineer, are going, taking the uh, Boston show to, uh, taking the Bakersfield show to Boston. So it'll be showing at the Armenian Museum in Boston, opening June 16th. And with that will be uh, another special room, not the personal room, but a room of portraits by Armenian artists only. So it will have this connection to the community and to the Armenian community. And that is being, when, when I talked about education and loving to have um, children come into museums so that they feel comfortable, Erin um, and my daughter Amanda have mentored, and Rachel as well, have mentored these two art people, uh, Gina Gregorian, and Natalie Varbivian, and they put together a room of portraits only by Armenian artists. So they're learning. They're learning how, what, how they have to make wall tags, how they have to interview the artists, how they have to research the dates, which is a fantastic thing because they're both art majors, one's in fashion and one's in art. Great. And you're a trustee of this um, Armenian Museum in um, I am, Boston. I am. And we're very proud of that space. We're very proud of that space. So you also, um, I read, have, uh, you know, I know you've championed women's rights for many, many years. And I, I read that you are on the executive committee of the Armenian International Women's Association. I did. I, I am, and I still am, and I love that organization. We support a group in Armenia called the Women's Support Center, and they and we raise money to build homes for abused women, because you know, like all those former Soviet countries, never talked about abuse or drunkenness or right. uh, any of the issues that we're dealing with today. And that Women's Support Center in in Yerevan actually deals with those women. They bring the women in and they take care of the families and they give them um, technical skills so they can go out into the community on their own. Oh, well, that's so, really that's wonderful. Very close to me. Very yeah. close to me. So these I, I digress because I have this oh. thing that you wanted to talk about. Okay. Well, let me see. So uh, tell us about a couple of these portraits. Well, where should we start? Let's start. Um, how about this Maplethorpe? Oh, okay. Well, that's my absolutely most favorite portrait I've seen of you. And it's one of my favorite photographs ever. Um, Is that right? I picked the right one. Oh, my one. God, Joan. It's just incredible. Um, you guys, everybody can, you can Google it. And if you Google Joan Quinn um, Maplethorpe, this photo will come up. It's an absolutely magnificent photo. So how did that photo come about? We were doing, we were doing a fashion shoot. I was doing an interview with Pat Bale, who was the daughter of Seaman Sheps. And we were doing it for interview. Uh -huh. And... Um, we, I wanted to use a great photographer, of course, and we went 
to, to Maplethorpe studio. We put all Seaman's chef Pat came and put all these jewels on all over the front. And the dress was done by Christophe Demonil, the famous mm -hmm. uh, family of the, of the Demonils from, from uh, Texas, the oil people. And Robert came in and put me on a pedestal in a chair and then started making us laugh. And he was way down low and photographed up like that, which when I was <laughs> interviewing Ann, Ann uh, Miller, we were in the studio and she said, Joan, get those cameras up. Don't photograph up my nose, photograph down my nose. Right, right. <laughs> but Mablethorpe was way down low and he was fantastic. And that is a, a very happy, to me, a very happy photograph. And show us another one here. Oh, you know what I love? This one of Andy. Yeah. Because Andy and I used to go to parties so much in New York, and it was a really special time being in New York with him. Because he always had an entourage of people. But um, we had alone time. We used to go to Mass at St. Vincent Ferrer on 65th and Lexington. And uh, he knew my girls, and he always said, now make sure those girls go to church all the time. It was, you know, had a very religious side that no one knew about. Yeah, I don't think many people would think um, of Andy Warhol and going to a Catholic church. Exactly. And we used to stay at the Mayfair house, which was on 65th and Park. Uh -huh. And so this church was on, on right around the corner from him. He lived on 66th. At, in a beautiful townhouse that I just saw went into the, went in for sale, I don't know, 30, 40 million, up $50 million right now. Right. And he, um, but I went up, he never let anyone in his house. It was always very private. You could go to the door and meet him maybe and see his kitchen. But Jet Johnson, one of his, uh, his boyfriends and, and close friend and who was a director of some of the films, took me upstairs to Andy's bedroom and we sat on the floor and talked. We leaned against the bed. It was a canopy bed mm -hmm. and there was a Lichtenstein over the fireplace of a mirror, which was so great. And then when we, and Andy and I used to collect jewelry together. So Jed said, you know what? And I said, what? He said, there's bags of jewelry underneath this bed. And I said, you're kidding. And he said, up above the canopy, there's bags of children. So we had a good laugh, and we left before Andy came home. So what are you wearing today, Joan? I'm wearing these two these badges that were made for the Bakersfield Museum. And it's a portrait of Jack and me by Billy Al. Oh, that's great. Bankson did a Bankson was doing a portrait of me. And he said, I can't do a portrait of you without Jack. So he put these two funny little eyes peering over me. Oh, that's sweet. So, you know, you've, you've been so fortunate. You've had just amazing friends, you know, from um, Andy Warhol, David Hockney, Divine, Jean-Michel Basquiat, John Waters. And, you know, I also wanted to mention, 
I don't think we, we got a chance to do this. Um, for over 35 years, you had uh, you produced a show and hosted the Joan Quinn Profiles. I did, and, I did. And you know how I got into that was because of Andy. Really? I, okay. First of all, my camera was always in my hand because Andy said, take your camera with you everywhere. So I okay. had an instamatic. David Hockney always used to say, not another photograph, Joan. And he would laugh about it. In fact, David's in Normandy right now. He has two exhibitions, one opening in Istanbul and one opening in Cambridge in England. And he was here in L.A. last week for a few. He was here very quietly for a few uh -huh. days. I mean, I say five minutes and I got to see him for five minutes, but that was about it. Um, but um, he's back in Normandy and he's painting again. And I just got a, a email last night that he's great and everyone's really happy back there. He's got his friends around him and he's thriving. He's a, he's a phenomenon. He is our artist of the century. I mean, I think he's just fantastic and he knows what to do and how to do it to make people understand art and to love being a, a part of art art just being a part of it it just makes you so alive yeah his his work is extraordinary now how did you feel about andy's work no that's not fair <laughs> we, we don't have any of andy's work. not fair we have a couple of pieces. We have a, a couple of pieces of, of Andy's work. I have a lot of little things that Andy signed, interview magazines and little pieces of, of knickknacks. But um, sorry to say, Jack and I didn't think much of it at the time. We never bought anything. We uh -huh. were just very, very close. Oh. So, you know, going back to the interviews, Joan, um, I remember um, I loved the interview that you did with. David Hockney. Um, and that was, I think that was um, quite an old interview, but it was absolutely marvelous. But I have to say one of my favorites that you had done um, was the one with John Waters. Well, John was very close. I have a, I have a book here. Let me get it for you. Okay. John was very close to, um, divine yes you know he made all of those movies and john at that time wasn't giving very many interviews right and when i asked him divine had already passed away when i asked him to do the interview he said i'll only do it for you because you were so nice to divvy and divine used to stay with us my kids were raised with divvy here he used to sleep on the couch downstairs because he couldn't walk up the steps he was so big and he would have his midnight rendezvous out in the back by the patio and at the pool. God knows who was coming up there and meeting him late at night. But uh, we were close to West Hollywood. We still are. And he loved it here. So, so John, John was, was very kind. And he's now doing a book tour because he's going to be in Boston when the show opens in June 16th. He's going to be... Um, doing his book signing there. Wonderful. So um, the uh, the series that you did, this the Joan Quinn Profiles, 
Um, how do people, are those on YouTube? How do people access those? I think they are all on YouTube. Yeah, I think they're all on YouTube, yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, for everybody watching, they're just absolutely fascinating. And as you can see, Joan is, uh, is a great interviewer, so I encourage you to watch them. Um, Will I interview you? What were you doing, Mark? What were you doing when we were, when we were meeting? What were you doing? Uh, you mean when we first met? Yes. Well, I, I was just out of college at the time and, you know, trying to get a business established and, you know, starving to death like a young starving artist. And it took that's me. What Clifford, that's what Clifford Miller said. He had just come here when he was 24 and was just right. starting his business, too. Yeah. So it was, you know, it was tough. I wasn't um, I knew I kind of knew what I wanted to do. I just didn't know how to go about it. And, you know, this is all before the days of the internet and social media and so forth. And, you know, I didn't really know I wasn't very good at self-promotion, but, you know, I had, like we talked about Jody Jacobs, I had wonderful people like that in my life who were um, just generous enough to promote me and uh, make the right introductions. And that was, you know, I've always been so grateful for people like that in my life. So, but I think that's why we're here. We're here to help other people. And I, yes. and that's why I love, having the artist and introducing him. Jack was a fantastic mentor in that relationship, in that, re in, in that uh, realm, I should say, because he, he made relationships with the legal community. He would have the artwork in his office and he would invite lawyers up for cocktails and do meetings. And this art was always on the wall. And, and those people were exposed to the art, just like when you're collecting, you know, people now want to buy what's going to be more expensive, what's going to sell at auction in 10 years or five years or five minutes. You know, right. it's like they don't want to wait. We've been collecting for 50 years or accumulating, let's say. And um, people have to go out and go to art galleries, go to museums and look around and then buy something that's, that maybe nobody else likes, but that speaks to them. You know, right. you've got to look at it every day. I have a Roger Hollywood on my, just above where we're talking. And I look at that every day and I just go, the Hollywood Hills and Ed Roger, it's so great. Well, and it means something to you too. Yes. Yeah, you're not. But that's why they have to buy something that means something to something. them. Yes, yes. I think that's great advice for people who are, you know, they, they don't know how to get started um, buying their first piece of art. I remember my first uh, piece of art um, I bought probably in the very early 70s from Kimberly Davis at the L.A. Louvre Gallery. And it we was, love uh, Kimberly. Yeah. She was, we had her as a host on the show, oh, probably about a year ago. She's just lovely. But She's um, she had sold me this um, Robert Motherwell sketch on uh, craft paper and it's just you know it meant so much to me and i think at the time you know, i think i paid what twelve hundred dollars for it but i had it until unfortunately i lost my home in uh, santa barbara in the mudslides four years ago and that was one of the pieces but it's mm. it's been one of my favorite pieces that i i had and i loved it more every year it just meant so much to me and so you bought something that yes you bought yes. something that you like, 
But going back to also at the time when you said you needed, you were looking for a place, we were all very connected at that time. You were connected with other designers. I know Raymond Lee, who was, is a, a fantastic person who started Palette, and he mm -hmm. designed it with Tony Machado. And Raymond yes. Lee used to do a lot of the styling for interview magazines when Greg Gorman and Eugene Pinkowski and Matthew Ralston would come to do photos. Raymond was one of the stylists. But everyone was friendly, you know. So you had friends in your business. The artists here in Venice were all friendly. We went out in groups and we supported each other. No, I think that's so important. And I love your comment on mentoring because it's one of my um, favorite subjects. I speak at UCLA. I'm a guest speaker there. And I talk to the design community there. And it's... I try and encourage these people and um, give them advice that they're not going to get in school and um, give them practical advice. And it's, it's really very rewarding and very satisfying that, you know, through many years of, of success and failures that you can share that with other people. And it's great that you've been able to do that with artists and that you and Jack were so supportive of artists who at the time were just struggling to make it, you know, well, day every to day. Time, every time I wrote something or every time I had a chance to do something, I would include a, an up and coming artist or an artist of, of some way so that their work would get out to the public. Because I just think, like you said, sharing that and, and bringing attention to it is so important. It's, it's the same way in the music industry and, and, classical music. I'd heard Thomas Addis's new um, um, piece that he wrote about um, um, Don, not Don Juan in, in hell, but he, he wrote something for the Philharmonic. And the music was so beautiful and it's contemporary. And yet it was so classical. You could hear it a hundred years from now. Oh, lovely. I don't, I don't know that piece. So it's really um, beautiful. They just played it. So, are there uh, any upcoming young artists in Los Angeles that you would mention, um, or that you have uh, recently seen their works? I've seen a lot of work, uh -huh. <laughs> and there are a lot of artists upcoming. And I think that's the mystery. I think you have to go out and find yourself downtown there's the night gallery there's nicodem there's there are a, a, a lot of galleries that are young and new um mm. various small fires on on highland she, she always has a lot of great artists and she has a, a gallery in uh, korea so you you get this different kind of feel um there's so much out there there are so many things out there and you have to just get out and find them and enjoy them. Well, that that's great advice. That's how um, that's how I've learned about art is just by going to galleries, by you know just exploring. And and downtown is a lot of fun. It's it's great to wander around there. That's you know um, the area around Sci Art and the uh, 
the Worth Gallery and so forth. There's just so many places down there. Yeah, Hauser Worth, and they have a great restaurant. And right. Yes. the whole area where you said Sly Art is really good. Where Nicodem is, it's in a it's in a building with three or four different galleries. So you get to, to move from up and down and sideways, and it just opens your eyes. Right. So um, another photograph done of you was done by um, the American photographer George Harrell. Ah, that's fabulous. I know, and that's one of your favorites. This is one of my favorites. Right. And when was that George, taken? George Harrell was the most wonderful, fantastic. It was like such an honor to be in his studio. I remember we were, we were doing a shoot for French Vogue, and I was, I was writing the story and coordinating it with celebrities. And we had Paul Apprentice and, um, oh, I, I, we had a couple of other um, people coming in. We had a young up-and-coming star. We had established stars, and then we had up-and-coming. And I had this one young girl who was late, who didn't like her clothes, who was an absolute upsetting kind of person to any photographer. And George Harrell just took it in stride, and we waited and waited. And he said, Joan, sit up there. I'll take a picture of you while we're waiting. So I sat on the chair that he had. He took a light and threw it behind me. One light that you see how beautiful it is. Snapped it and said, okay. And I said, George, you only took one shot. And he said, but I got it. And I went, oh, please, <laughs> please. So he took another one. And then he sent me the he sent me the photograph to the house, wrapped in purple paper, purple tissue. It was beautiful with a note saying, "I told you I got it." And oh, that was his first shot. And is that the one that um, you just showed us the photo that's of? That's the one we saw exactly. So, that's the um, one. And you know, okay. people, other photographers idolized him. He was, you know, he was an idol. And I remember Eugene Pinkowski said, can I come to the shoot? And I said, I don't think um, Mr. Harrell wants anybody in the studio. And he said, please let me come. I'll sweep the floor. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll keep the studio clean just so I can be there to watch how he works. Oh, what a thrill. So I'd like to talk a little bit about the upcoming show you have in La Jolla. And let's tell everybody about this because this All is, right. I think, exciting. I, that's what this is. This is right. called Timeless. And this is another fabulous photograph. I love this. I used to collect, I collected watches and Helmut Newton knew that. And this is our magnolia tree in the backyard. And he had me put my hand up there with the watches and he took the photograph. And so um, the Athenaeum in the center of La Jolla Yes. I think it's on, I have to tell you what street it's on right now. It's on Wall Street. And they are opening on Saturday, tomorrow, May 7th at 5.30 with a reception. And then it's open all through the month of May to June 4th. And it will be like 50 
portraits, just what you saw in this fold out, but they'll all be in black and white. So it's okay. like very unique and it's curated by, by Erin Ketchelli and she's taken from the collection black and white photographs, sculpture, um, different piece, kinds of work. And it's how very long exciting. is this? I'm, I'm so excited to see it because the Anthenaeum is like a little jewel. It's just like a jewel box. So, and when is the opening? Saturday the 7th at 5.30. This and La Jolla coming... is very close. It's as close as Bakersfield was. Right, right. So that's tomorrow. Yes, it is. Well, that's just, that's, I wish I could be there. That's wonderful. So well, I think we're um, going to have a lot of friends. We're very excited. A lot of the artists have called Alexo, who did the uh, yeah. portrait of me behind me with the hands like this. Right. The Carnegie Museum. He said, I can't wait to see my photograph. I'm going to come down on my motorcycle. And we're like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and how long is this down. show going to be running? It's running till uh, June 4th. June 4th. Okay. Well, everybody, you're going to have to go down to La Jolla and make a little trip to see this because it'll be terrific. So, Joan, what? tell us what's in the future for, for you, Joan Quinn? <laughs> I have a long life of happiness. <laughs> I love my grandchildren. My grandchildren are growing up so fast. They're 13 and 10, Georgia and Paloma. And right now it's just a thrill to see how they, all of a sudden they're big girls, you know, and, and they love, they'll be at the opening. They came to Bakersfield. They're going to be in Boston. And I hope they remember this. I hope this is what we're doing is going to open, just open doors for a lot of young people. Oh, uh, I think, I think you've, um, opened so many doors for people, Joan, over the years. I think it's really admirable. So, um, you know, there's, we could probably go on for hours discussing um, some of your experiences and stories, and I'd love to know more, but we're going to run out of time. Let me just tell you the, the reason we got connected with the Anthenaeum yes. was because of Zondra Rhodes, because I curated oh. a show of hers in San Diego in La Jolla. And she became very friendly with the people at the Athenaeum because she was living down in Solano Beach for a while. And that's, that's how that happened. Uh, we've got one of her new black and white portraits of me in there. Oh, that's great. I, I had no idea she was living in Southern California. She was living there for, for quite a while with her partner. And she did a lot of the sets for the San Diego Opera. So she gave to the community as well. Wonderful. So what else would you like to add, Joan? I think that, that I didn't want to forget that because I thought that was so important to the community down south. You That's know, we wonderful. talked about the Central Valley and the architecture and, right. and all the icons that things we can remember that are still in place in the Central Valley. And then in, in La Jolla, there, the museums have been renovated and they have so many interesting things down San Diego and Rancho uh, Santa Fe, that Rancho whole Santa area Baker. is very uh -huh. interesting. Yeah, well, people, people should explore, you know? Exactly. It's Part great. of life. Part of Part life. Part of life, yeah. 
it just makes you richer and makes your life more full. Yes, Mark, and you know that. You've been great about doing that. Anyway, thank you, Joan, so much. I just can't thank you enough. I just adore you. And oh, I'm so glad. Thank you for doing this. And thank you for, for, for bringing to the attention all of uh, what we've been doing. All right. And every, every, all of our guests listening, make sure you get to La Jolla to see this show. You're going to, you're just going to be wonderful. Thank you. Anyway, thank you so much, Joan. Bye-bye. So, well, everyone, I'm sure you enjoyed today's show. Joan is just a treasure. And um, I'm, I th can't thank you enough for joining us. You know, um, we have over the last three years had a show almost every other week, every two weeks. And we're now going to be doing them monthly um, um, as time permits. And we'll be announcing the next show upcoming. And um, we'll have another wonderful guest. And I look forward to uh, you joining us. So thank you again. And goodbye. Bye, Joan. Bye. Thank you for listening to Designers at Home. Follow us on Instagram at Mark Weaver and Associates to listen to live or subscribe to this podcast. If you found this podcast valuable and insightful, share it with your friends, comment, and subscribe. We are also on YouTube at Mark Weaver and Associates. Thank you.